Welcome to Just Beat Us, the podcast about the real side of living with type 1 every day. Your hosts are Millie and Jeline. This podcast is for anyone who wants to commiserate, swap war stories, and build a community of support around Just Beat Us. Hey, this is Millie, and you are listening to the Just Beat Us podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Jeline. And we are kicking off our very first episode. Yay! All right, so our first episode is going to be our origin stories. Um, so really, the concept for this podcast is like the real side of living with type 1 diabetes and dealing with it every day. Um, and there's a lot of information out there about like bettering yourself. But I think <laughs> sometimes we just want to say like, fuck diabetes. <laughs> yep. So we're going to, you know, just tell some stories, hopefully come up with like a supportive community and um, get some ideas flowing and brainstorming. Um, but first, so that you know who we are, I think we want to talk a little bit about our diagnoses. Yes. So Jeline, you want to get us started? Sure. So I am Jeline. I'm 29 years old and I was diagnosed when I was 11. And I think... If you have type 1 and you're listening to this, you would kind of have experienced all the the classic symptoms, the peeing every 20 minutes, mm-hmm. drinking ridiculous amounts of liquid, not alcohol. <laughs> and not at 11. Not at 11, no. And eating absurd amounts of food. I mean, I just remember my brother commenting on like the gallons of cranberry juice and water. That we were going through. No UTIs for you. (laughs) (laughs) And then like middle of the night was like bowls of cereal. And then in school, just like going to the bathroom every 20 minutes. And at 11, you know, you have to like raise your hand and ask permission to go to the bathroom. So it was, it was a nightmare. Uh, So I think my mom obviously knew something was up and we went to my pediatrician And she checked my blood sugar there, and it was over 700. And she was like, "Uh, you need to go to Children's in Boston immediately. And I was there for a week. Um, First night, I was there by myself, and I tried to be brave and wait till my parents left to start crying because, like, they were so emotional. Yeah. But, um... My mom ended up coming back the next day and she stayed with me the rest of the entire week, learning everything. And at 11, I don't know, I don't know how it is now when you get admitted to the hospital, but they had me doing all my own insulin shots. And honestly, I'm grateful for that because it really made me feel like right off the bat, I could kind of take control of this. Yeah, totally. I, I don't remember a time when my parents gave me my shots because mm-hmm. I, I got it when I was 10. Um, I mean, they definitely drew them up for me, but like, it was all like, you're going to have to do this. Here's what you do. Start taking ownership, like as soon as you find out. Yeah. They had me like in each spot too. Like, okay. You you know, one day we focused on stomach injections. The next day was leg and the next day was arm. And I just, I just did it. Um, and you were in for a full week, six days, six days. Yeah. Cause that's kind of a long time yeah. I feel like well I don't know if it was because when I was admitted I was my blood sugar was so, so high. high yeah because I remember being in the ER and nurses and doctors like do you feel like you're gonna pass out are you 
are are you are you tired? Are you sleepy? Are you nauseous? And I was like, no, I'm just really thirsty. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's like pretty much the only thing I remember is like being super thirsty because you're so out of it. Right. Your blood sugar is so high. Like, I know. I feel like I didn't respond at all to any of the emotional stuff until I got home and it was like, yeah. oh, I'm like, well, because you didn't even know what you were. Like, that almost became normal for right. a certain amount of time, like living that way at, you know, 500 at a 500 blood sugar plus ending up in the hospital over 700. And I've, I've never been in DKA. I've never experienced that. I don't know if you have, but I mean, suspected once, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, that's pretty much my diagnosis story. Yeah. I mean, mine is pretty similar. I mean, so I'm 30 and I was 10, so, you know, same sort of general ages, but it was, it was over the summertime. I remember I got super into biking with my parents that summer. So we were doing these like long, I mean, long at the time, like seven mile bike rides or whatever (laughs) around like a lake. Um, and I went and I was peeing all the time too, like getting up multiple times in the night, which was like so weird as like, you know, you're not like a little kid anymore. You shouldn't be like getting up in the night. Um, and it was the summer that Surge came out. Do you remember that? That soda? That's <laughs> just like so much oh, sugar. So I was yeah. like drinking a ton of Surge, biking all the time. <laughs> and um, I was like sitting on my dad's lap or something. And he was like, you feel really light. And they, my parents made me go weigh myself. And I had lost 10 pounds, which like for a 10-year-old is the alarming. Up. Yep. So I went to the doctor the next day. And they were like, well, these are classic diabetes symptoms. And I had no idea what that was. And so they were like, you need to go to the hospital. My mom drove me there and she's in the car and she's like, you know, you're going to have to take shots. Oh my God. And I was like, what do you mean? Like every day? She was like, yeah. And in my head, I was like, nobody takes shots at home. Like she must just mean every day like when I go to the hospital and I like brushed it aside and like didn't think about it until I got to the hospital and they were like, well, this is what diabetes is. Oh my gosh. And like learned about it. And I just remember like being in the like admission room or whatever before I actually got to my room. I was in for three days and they were like, you can't eat jelly anymore. And I was like, I hate jelly. Just like so specifically, like you cannot eat jelly anymore. Were you at Children's? I was at um, UMass because I was in Worcester. Yeah, no, it was strange. It was a very strange experience for like the first because I was in for three days and I had a big dance recital at the end of the week and I was like, I gotta get out for my dance recital. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the only other girl that I knew who had diabetes was in my dance school. And when I went to my dance recital, she like gave me a bear Aww. being like, oh, I have diabetes too. Like if you ever have questions. <laughs> and it was so cute. And like, I'm still friends with her and she's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was like pretty much it. And then it's like you go home and you realize how much it's actually going to affect your life, which is crazy. Huge lifestyle adjustment, especially... 10 and 11, I mean, 10 and 11 for, for us, but as well as your parents, like who's raising you and who's feeding you and it's, you know, how active are you? What sports are you playing? How do you manage that? Yeah. Right. Like my first thing was like, I got to go to my dance rehearsal for, Mm -hmm. for my dance recital. And my parents were like, we have no idea like (laughs) what 
is going to happen when you go exercise (laughs) for like three hours and you're like trapped backstage in like a (gasps) dance costume and tights. Like, can we even give you injections through tights? Like, (laughs) yes, you can. But like, we didn't know any of this stuff. But I feel like 10, 11 is actually kind of a good age to get it because you're old enough to sort of know what's going on and be able to like do stuff. But you're not in those like teenage angsty years yet. I totally agree. I totally agree. Because you can kind of, you can kind of get that independence right off the bat. Right. Like, I always gave myself my shots. Mm-hmm. My parents were super, super involved in my treatment. But, like, I was very much like, I'm going to do this stuff on my own. Yeah. I think, I think looking back, like, my dad was very involved. My mom was more nervous. Just constantly <laughs> just... Yes, nervous. Like that is what mothers do. <laughs> they worry about everything. And in the hospital, I remember my dad being like, Stevon, like, that's why I told you not to buy that shit cereal. <laughs> like before we even knew exactly what was going on, because it's like, oh, my grandmother had diabetes and she didn't eat brownies at family parties. So like well, that's that was what all everyone we knew. thinks. It's like, oh my god, you had sugary cereal. Yeah. <laughs> and surge. It was the surge that did it. Uh, it was the Fruit Loops. Yeah. Um, definitely. But yeah, I I think that'll definitely be a topic that we will discuss is the uh, misconceptions. Oh my God. So many. All the time. And like, I work in healthcare too, so it's like constant. Like, diabetes is just shorthand for like, oh, someone is really vulnerable and high risk, diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there's a lot of things at play here. Yes. Yeah, and when I was in the hospital, I remember... There was this game, um, it was like a video game that was designed to teach kids about diabetes. And it was like, basically like Mario, but it was like fruit and donuts and stuff. So you had to like avoid the donuts, (laughs) like avoid the sugar. And my dad at the time was horrified. He was like, this is so janky. This like weird, like eight bits. Like (laughs) it was so strange. I did not learn that much from that video game. Uh I will say, I remember to this day, my nurse, her name was Marnie, and she was the best. She was there. Every day that I was there, she was, obviously, she must have been, like, assigned to me, and she was so patient with me and just, like, the kindest. Anything you, anything you would hope and want a nurse to be Mm -hmm. or expect a nurse to be in healthcare, she was. Yeah. And... I've never met anyone like her <laughs> There are, I mean, it is funny how there are like these sort of like bright spots, I feel like in, cause I, I remember so specifically, she wasn't there when I was diagnosed, but she like helped me convince um, people that I should go on the pump. Cause I was 12 when I got the pump, which is like pretty young, at least when I was diagnosed. Yeah. Lynn Norris, like she stuck up for me. She like taught me all of this stuff. She was like so critical in like me growing up with diabetes and like, I don't know, maybe some adults have that with their doctors now, but I, I don't at this particular moment yeah. in time. Yeah. When I switched from Jocelyn in Boston when I was still in, like, the pediatric part of the whole thing and moved to um, adult care, I guess, like mm. the endocrinology department where I am now um, is where I met my diabetes nurse educator. Um And she is also type one and it has literally been like, I've strayed from certain medical professionals along the way, but she has been a constant from the time I was 17 to 
present. And if she ever leaves, I don't know what I will do. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, I feel like people, like healthcare professionals having type one makes all the difference because otherwise it's really hard to have someone relate to you. It's like, they just tell you what to do. They and just you're like, pre- but you don't preach. You don't get it. Right. You know, I feel like so many people with type one have like a real chip on their shoulder about just like healthcare professionals in general. It's like, just write me my prescription, dude. Right. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I know what I need. I deal with this every day. Um, yeah. It's like hard to find someone who you actually have like a good vibe with. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, I could call her at the office. She'll get back to me. She'll either answer the phone right then and there or gets back to me at her most convenient moment or she sends me an email. Like, she's just, she's unbelievable because, I mean, the amount of patience she has, I can't believe she gets back to me in the fashion that she does. I won't mention her name quite yet. I'm like, you'll give yeah. me her name later so yeah. that I can call her. I won't mention her name quite yet because I'm hoping maybe she can um, be a part of this at yeah, some point. That'd be awesome. So did you find that, like, you learned everything you needed in those six days? Like, how did you feel like your preparation for diabetes was when you were diagnosed? So 11, 2001 it was. Um, We got – so the answer to that is no. Okay. (laughs) I mean, how could it ever? Like, how could six days ever prepare you? Um, But we got this, like, folded up. Um, chart basically that got put on our refrigerator with the carbs you should have for breakfast, the carbs you should have for snack, the carbs you should have for lunch, the carbs you should have for dinner, and the carbs you should have for your bedtime snack. I'm like, wait a minute, like this is a lot of food. That's so much food. That was what was so crazy about yeah. it was how much food I had to eat. And when I was 11, I had I had no idea what carbs did or were there were no CGMs anyway that that I knew of and I actually so a lot different from you I didn't get on the pump till I was 22 yeah so I was doing injections for 11 years and part of that was college and not wanting to like commit to something that was gonna be a part of me all day every day it was like no I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want when I want not the other way around yeah and having something like visible that you have to explain, like totally, it was get really turned. It off was pe- it was like terrifying to mm-hmm. me. Um, but yeah, no, I think that I have learned the most about type one diabetes in the past three years. Wow! So I think for a long time I probably did the minimal to like you know, keep myself out of the hospital and keep myself in a, some, I won't even say normal because there were times where I had an A1C of 11, which is not normal. And we all have those times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so no, it's only been the past three years that I feel like I've truly learned about how those folded up charts with how you're supposed to eat 60 carbs for dinner and 30 carbs for snacks and 25 carbs for breakfast is complete bullshit. Well, it like, it makes more sense when you're on MDI, like when you're doing the multiple daily injections, because like you have those peaks. I mean, I had one summer where I did Lantus and then the pen, like Mm -hmm. four man's pump. Um, But like before that, literally I ate cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast every morning because it was like 
if it fits your macros, like you need 60 grams of carbs, who cares how much sugar, like whatever right. is in it. And it worked. I mean, it totally worked at the time. At, for my bedtime snack, I had an apple, a scoop of peanut butter, and 27 Cheez-Its for like two and a half years. Wow. <laughs> just like you did just you eat. count them out? Like, were you, were you kind oh, of, were you like to the T? My mom did. <laughs> I'm like, I'm watching Friends on the couch. My plate would arrive. My mother was, yep. she's very, love you, mom. She's very overbearing. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I just remember those Quaker, um, the granola, the Quaker granola bars. And they would come in these variety packs of like chocolate chip, regular oatmeal something, and then cookies and cream. And, you know, they were 15 carbs. Yep. So, so you just have them on hand. No, yep. totally. I had Chips Ahoy bars. They were like brownies, but were Chips Ahoy mm-hmm. that I would carry everywhere. Because, again, they were like 15 grams of carbs, which is yeah. kind of amazing for, for a Chips crap Ahoy food like that. <laughs> I brought Gushers to school one time when I was, it must have been eighth grade. So it was probably like a year after I was diagnosed. And my gym teacher called me out in front of the entire class, asked me why having the condition that I have, am I eating gushers as a snack? And I'm pretty sure I cried. <laughs> People are so rude. Like I, I was like, uh, actually, I need to go to the nurse. Right, like I actually have to eat this right now, but yeah. thank you for drawing attention to it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, so you were like going into middle school when you were diagnosed, like yeah, same as me. I had like one more year in elementary school and then yeah. going into middle school. Did you have like those awkward middle school years exacerbated by diabetes? Cause I, I mean, I know personally I wore a fanny pack. So like that, I really doubled down on being an awkward kid. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like have any of those kind of experiences? Um, you know, what's weird is I like, don't really remember I feel like I made trips to the nurse's office often, mm-hmm. and I had many of friends who would so lovingly uh, accompany me to on those trips, yes. but like, no, because I feel like my parents still, when I was so young, they didn't really, they didn't really understand. They were just kind of doing what they were told, and like... Not to say that my parents weren't involved with my care, but I don't think that they ever really went above and beyond or out of their way to kind of educate themselves on up-and-coming things or how to make it better or, you know, they we just, we just went to our doctor's appointments every three months and did what we were told. Right, like hope for the best. Right. Eat what you're supposed to eat. So they did not strap a fanny pack on you with um, the Chips Ahoy bar. Too. <laughs> No, no, I didn't. I Unfortunately, I'm kind of jealous of that, actually. I, I think they're making a comeback now. This was not a cool fanny pack. It was like an L.L. Bean dark green with like a mesh oh, pocket. Like, yeah. very not cool. I was thinking fluorescent. I don't know why, but. No, I, I mean, now I would rock a fanny pack. <laughs> like, it's all back. I love that extra style, but. Um, when, so you went on a pump when you were 12. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, like, we had to fight for it. And this was, I think, pretty much all my mom. Like, in theory, obviously, it sounded good to me, but she had done the research. She was like, this would make your life so much more flexible, more reactive. Like, you have better A1Cs. And so she really pushed for it with my healthcare professionals. And, like, they they were like, you have to be super responsible. You have to make sure you test all the time because, you know, there's obviously risk if your pump site comes out. 
and you know at 12 responsible was my middle name like this was way before I even thought about rebelling at all so it's like I can do whatever you need me to do (laughs) and so I got on it and yeah I mean there was one summer when I went off the pump and went back on shots but like I've been on the pump literally for 18 years do you remember like the transition like or were you were you excited were you nervous or were you just like okay this is the next step I was excited because it just made me be like, I can do more of what I want to do in terms of eating. Cause like, like I said, it was very rigid. Like my eating schedule was so rigid. I ate the same thing every morning for breakfast. I ate that stupid bedtime snack, which like, I love Cheez-Its. I would eat a whole box of Cheez-Its right now. Um, 27, right. <laughs> 27 Cheez-Its <laughs> is a serving size. Um, but I was just like, I want to be able to eat extra if I go to a birthday party or whatever, like what any 12 year old thinks about when right. they have diabetes, like it sucks to be excluded from stuff. And so that was sort of how it was presented to me of like, like we didn't have any concept of a sliding scale. Like when I took my shots, I took exactly the same thing every day. Like I never had anything extra or did anything different. So the pump was like freedom. And I think when I first went on it, it was like the first day or two, I didn't eat any carbs so that I could figure out my basal rates. Like that was the strategy, which now I'm like, I I always want to eat carbs, but I never eat carbs. So <laughs> it's like very similar to what I do now. Um, but yeah, it was a weird transition getting used to like having the thing attached to you right. all the time. Right. And now it's like my fifth limb that just, you know, doesn't move mm-hmm. when it's told to move. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, I mean, you have the Omnipod, so it's like on you. Yeah. Mine is like a foot of tubing and so it falls out and I get tangled up in it and you know it's like a whole thing it's like a whole production have you always had the omnipod I've always had the omnipod um again my so my diabetes nurse educator who I probably have seen more frequently than any like doctor or NP or anything she had the omnipod and uh she she highly recommended it but I know she didn't want me to feel like pressured or skewed in any way just because she had it didn't mean I had to have it. Yeah. I mean, I looked over all these brochures and folders and stuff, but I I just trust her opinion and her like her lifestyle. I just trusted her so much that it kind of made the decision easy for me. I'm sure I would have been fine no matter which pump I chose. Yeah. But um Yes, I've always been on the Omnipod and I don't think I would ever, I don't think I would ever switch. Yeah. I think it's very much like what you start off with. Mm -hmm. You get used to it. Because like I've had Minimed for the 18 years I've been on it. Mm -hmm. So it's like hard. And you you like it? Actually, at this point in time, I'm like ready to move away. But it's only (laughs) been like in the past two years that I even would like consider it. So I just got the CGM like two years ago. Mm -hmm. And like that, they have like a new system that's integrated. And I don't love it. And so for the first time, I've been like, oh, I could do something different. You know, like Dexcom is known to be better. So why wouldn't I just use Dexcom and then use something that integrates with that? That's that's interesting to me because I would... Because when you mentioned the CGM being part of the Medtronic, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of amazing that it's like two in one. Why isn't everyone using yeah. that? 
Uh, I realized I called it Minimed. That's what it was like oh. way back in the day. And then they got bailed by Medtronic probably 15 years ago. So that was like really dated. Yeah, no, I mean, it shows up like the CGM shows up on the pump screen. Like, so that's cool. And then I can just like dial in the bullets from there, correction mm-hmm. or whatever. But they have this auto loop that in my personal experience has not really worked for me. Like it just lets my blood sugars like creep higher and higher and higher. And I'm like, yo, I need more insulin. Like <laughs> this is obvious. Like give me more insulin. Right. It just doesn't do it automatically. Oh, interesting. So I kind of bailed on that after doing it for like a couple months. Um, and I got frustrated and I was like, I can do a better job. Yeah. I, I feel like that is my attitude about a lot of things when new technology comes out is like, I can do a better job. Yeah. This. Like, let, let's see how this all like really plays out. Yeah. Dexcom definitely changed my life, like changed my life. It really did. And I've reached my lowest A1C ever since, since being diagnosed only when I've been on the Dexcom, which has only been a year. That's awesome. I actually just got, I just got the Dexcom last March. So it literally has been creeping up on a year. Woo. Shout out Dexcom. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it is crazy, like, how much of a difference a CGM makes. And I, it's been out for a while. And, like, you just got it a year ago. I just got it two years ago. Like, it takes a while to actually get to people because I feel like I'm really stuck in my ways. Mm-hmm. And it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, Hell so annoying. Yeah. So. Well, that's how it was transitioning to the pump. I was just like, eh, no. Like, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Right. I'm not ready (laughs) over and over and over and over. Well, and it's not like buying a new phone or like a new computer or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to change every aspect of your life. Literally. I I have probably five um, sensors left of like Medtronic. And then I'm like, when I get to the end of that five, like maybe I'll switch to something else. But like literally I have a backlog of supplies that I'm like, I want to use. I want to get my money's worth on this. I want to use all of it before I even switch. Plus, then my whole routine is different and my whole treatment is different. It's not like an easy thing to transition. Right. And then you have to think about if you, when you transition, are you working that day? Is it the weekend? Yeah. Do you have plans? What's your regular work day look like? You know, it's, there's so many little details yeah. that tie into this huge I don't want to say disease. I don't want to call it like this huge lifestyle change that people just don't, they just don't know. Right. And I think that's like where the resentment for like endocrinologists or whatever comes from is like, okay, you study this, you see your patients, you go home at night, like whatever. Like I'm thinking about this literally every minute when I eat something, when I drink something, when I exercise, when I drive, like when I do literally anything, I have to think about it. And I know more than you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, sorry, I'm the expert. (laughs) Or I get, or I just get super resentful of anyone that I'm with and I'm like, oh, cool. must be nice to like eat that right now. I I wish I could. (laughs) And then I usually do. And then I end up with a 272 blood sugar but hey right because you're like I deserve it <laughs> yeah I can be like you too yeah and then I'm like why why no, did I, I can't, do that actually <laughs> roller coaster oh my god the number of bachelorette parties I've been to where I'm like this is so fun and then like two in the morning I'm like I I hate myself for mm-hmm. doing all of this <laughs> like just a roller coaster Ugh. all right I think we're gonna wrap this up see how this came out hopefully it was decent. Yeah. I think it was. I think it 
I think it flowed well. You're like yeah. funnier than me though, so I'm gonna have to work on that. But <laughs> just be Thanks for listening. And as always, feel free to connect with us on social media. You can email any feedback or topic ideas to justbeatus at gmail.com. That's J-U-S-T-B-E-T-E-S at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at Just Beat Us or follow Jalene's T1 journey at, at Jalene T1D. Beat us, beat us.